Welcome to another compelling episode of the Help for Mzanzi podcast, where we uncover the stories of inspirational figures shaping the landscape of healthcare in South Africa. I'm your host, Dawn Numdu, and in this episode, we delve into the remarkable journey of Tabani Gumede, a healthcare professional transforming kidney care in Mzanzi. Tabani's story is one of resilience and dedication. Born in KwaZulu-Natal, his pursuit of a medical career was fueled by his desire to break free from the cycle of challenges prevalent in his community. Establishing a specialized practice in Johannesburg in 2019, his clinic offers comprehensive care, not just medically, but also emotionally, catering to patients dealing with kidney-related ailments. Tabani, it is absolutely amazing to have you join us here on the Health for Mzanzi podcast. I'd love to just start more about you. Tell us a bit about yourself, you know, from your upbringing, early childhood. What was that like? Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am Tabani Bayande Kumede. I was born in Deben, KwaZulu Natal, in the south of Deben. Yeah, I was born in a township. And then I went to um, Guamakota. The township was called Guamakota. And then I went to high school where I completed my grade 12. From there, I studied briefly at the University of KwaZulu-Natal before I changed qualifications. And then I moved to the Free State where I studied clinical technology and I specialized in philology. And then after that, I basically moved to the Western Cape, to Cape Town, where I did my training in both neurology and nephrology. So I spent some time there briefly. I, after I completed my training, then I went to work in Pretoria for about two to three years there. And then before I then opened the practice in Johannesburg in 2019. Absolutely amazing. And honestly, I just had to quickly Google what is nephrology all about. <laughs> A lot of these medical terms will go right over my head. I love that it's part of my learning, just getting to know you and yours. Yeah. So you specialize in the care of kidneys. Is that what you do specifically around nephrology? With respect to nephrology, we deal with patients who have kidney diseases. So be it from acute kidney injury or acute kidney failure to chronic kidney disease and stage renal failure. So anything that pertains to the, the kidneys, and then obviously we come in there from the nephrology perspective, including those whose kidneys have completely, obviously stopped working, that is end-stage renal failure. So we have now those people are dialysis dependent, and so we come in there as well. But with respect to urology, which is my other area, you know, I worked in, so then this one now requires surgical, most of the time it's a surgical intervention. It's theater-based, so it could be if you have kidney stones, you have prostate issues, kidney problems, then we have to deal with it in theater most of the time from that perspective. So I have both, I'm lucky. Not many have that, so um, I think I'm one of the few, actually, in the country who have both, you know, in, in the bag. And that deserves to be celebrated. 
And it's so amazing to kind of just get a very small picture as to probably was a very long journey for you to come to where you at now. I don't want to downplay any of it. I know that whenever I speak to healthcare mm. professionals, they're always like, hey, it took me a long time to get here. It took a lot of hard work. Maybe you can just talk us briefly through your journey, you know, what kind of led you to pursue this career? You mentioned the change over. Where did it all start? When I was a child, I didn't want to be in the medical profession. I never saw myself as, you know, it, it never even crossed my mind. However, my mom was in the medical field, obviously, for 30 years before her retirement. I mean, almost 10 years ago. When my mom, she used to come back home and complain about how, when she was working, the hospital was under-resourced and it's such high volume of people and they're understaffed and so on and so forth. So all those years when my mom used to complain when she comes back home, it planted something in me. So instead of me feeling like, okay, I hate what my mom is doing, for some odd reason, I was like, okay, I want to do what my mom is doing and contribute to the medical food to make a difference. I want to contribute to that understaffing that she's complaining about. So then it changed from there. I think I was in grade eight or grade nine. Then I wanted to pursue something in the medical field, but still I was not sure as to what exactly I want to do. I mean, as you can imagine, everybody, if you think of the medical field, you just think about becoming a doctor, the nurse, and that's how far, you know, especially if you are from a township, that's how far your thinking goes. But then as you learn more and study further about these things, then you realize that there's actually a lot more that one can do. So fortunately, our high school in grade 12 took us to, um, there's these events that universities jointly do together to bring awareness about career fields that are available there. So I came to know about clinical technology because I read in one of the university's brochures and nobody knew what that is. I inquired about this. I went for what you call academic counseling and then the academic counselor sourced more information for me and then I found out what it was and then I decided to do it. And then I started, I think, the first two years. After two years, then we had to choose our area of, our preferred area of specialization. And I selected cardiology first and I went to cardiology for about three months and then I left cardiology and then I joined nephrology. You know, at first, nephrology was a little bit boring for me, but I didn't realize that after a year, I'd actually fall in love with it. And so I fell much more deeply in love with nephrology and what it was about. And then, you know, because I realized also at some point that it is becoming a burden, not only in South Africa, but around the world. So which means a lot more people in this area would be needed as the years progress. I decided to stick with it and you know, even after COVID, it, the situation became worse. Because as you can imagine, COVID was devastating to many of us. And one of the organs that it was targeting was the lungs, heart, and kidneys. And so we're seeing a lot more people now, especially young people, going into kidney failure. That's what actually also prompted me to start sharing those videos on, on TikTok. And then it took me, I think, four years to complete the nephrology um, degree and an additional one year approximately to basically do the urology part of it. So all in all, I have five years of studying and training under my belt. You know, to be able to specialize in something specific that is very closely related to kind of where healthcare and focus areas have kind of shifted towards in the light, it was very tragic and 
traumatic time that we all went through globally. So it's very interesting to kind of listen to you talk through that. You just mentioned your mom kind of being a key influencer or you seeing her life and her role in all of your decision making. Are there any other key experiences or moments, you know, from your past that really shaped who you are today and the focus and working within the healthcare sector within Mzanzi? Growing up in a township and dangerous at that, where most young people perish to drugs, violence. So what I have in mind was to study at that time when I was a child. I said to myself, I want to study, I want to become something and I want to give back and I want to make a difference. I haven't gotten there yet, but that's the vision I had as a child. And I keep on taking myself back to that moment to say, but remember, this is what you said you want to do. I keep on reminding myself of all that. So that's one of the things that shaped me. I said to myself, I want to stick to church. One of my neighbors was very religious. And then she took most of us the children, you know, in my community to church. And that's been one of my, you know, guiding principles. It's faith, actually. It's one of the things that shaped me and kept me grounded most of the time. So that's what has been pushing me all these years and motivating me to study further, become something out of that community. Very few of us actually make it out of the community because the environment as it is, is not conducive to produce professionals regardless of where you are and what you want to become. It's just difficult to get out of that kind of environment. So I had that motivation to want to get out and do something and then give back. Like I'm saying, drugs is one of the biggest issues in the township communities. Diseases such as HIV and AIDS, there's not much awareness that is being done there. Um, even if there is, but because people are consumed so much by wanting to survive, that's all that matters to them. Mine was to see if I can you know, contribute either in a way of giving back, educating people, or creating some form of employment. So that's what has been driving me because my mom also was involved in, and she still is involved in small businesses. And so she's been a large part of my influence because also I said, okay, I want to start businesses and just like my mom has done, but mine, I want them to be much bigger so that I can create employment for the community. And my teachers as well. I remember I was in return. My math teacher, Mrs. Nalsu, said to us, you can become anything you want to become in the world. And I looked around and I thought, okay, is she listening to herself? How can she say such a thing? And then she kept on saying, you can become whatever you want and you can do whatever you want. You just need to focus, study and become better people and become better citizens of the world. That's also been changed. You can imagine, like I'm saying, from that dark environment where you see no future and then there are people around you keep on motivating you. And, and that made me want to become something and thank God I managed to actually put myself out of that environment with the support of my family as well. I listen to people's stories. They talk about some of the obstacles and challenges, but the biggest thing and what I'm picking up from what you're saying is that you had lots of faith that this journey that you were on is what you were meant to do. Even your teachers telling you you can do anything. Can you talk more about where you felt your personal and professional growth was really significant throughout yeah. this job? And also what led to that growth where you felt like, hey, I'm definitely shifting here. I'm shifting in my thinking. I'm shifting in how I'm approaching life. 
it's always interesting to kind of listen to that part of people's stories. When I always refer back to the COVID era, because, you know, that has been one of the most challenging, I would say, of most medical professionals. Outside of the HIV, obviously, pandemic, this one in recent times has been one of the most challenging because we've never seen anything like that and we've never dealt with so much amount of suffering and death at the same time. So I've learned, I've grown so much from that experience. And also having left employment where now I shifted to become an independent medical practitioner. Because now I'm self-employed, so in other words, all the responsibilities lie on me. So, which means it's not about now anymore having to wake up every morning to go and clock in at work and take this specific time and clock out at that time. So, all the responsibilities that relate to patients directly linked to me. So, whatever happens, I need to be accountable. So, then I saw myself grow there immensely as a medical practitioner both clinically and personally running a dialysis clinic because that's what we run. There's different services that is the doctors that deal with patients, dietitian, that is the dialysis dietitians, there is nursing personnel, clinical assistants, my other fellow clinical technologists also working there. It brings together different medical professionals and then you have patients who also trust in you as a leader of that facility, who entrust their lives with you and they trust that you, you know, you're going to pull them through and you're going to do something for them. So that has really, really made me grow in my field. And I've learned a lot more because there's a lot of responsibility. So you have to constantly teach yourself. You have to constantly learn from them, um, from the others, from the other colleagues. And you have to constantly educate yourself in order to be on par with what is happening. Um, in the field and also to make sure that the, the facility subscribes to the highest standards, not only nationally, but internationally, because you do not also only cater for the national patients, you cater for international ones as well. And also, you know, you deal with high-profile individuals. So I've grown in that area of my career also academically because now I'm pursuing my master's in nephrology. Also, I've grown personally. That's been a journey for me. That pursuit of kind of building your own legacy in that way is something that most people are often afraid of. (laughs) It's not an easy journey. So hats off to you from kind of doing that from day one, where you were like, I'm making this my own thing and I'm going to run with it. Tell us more about that. It's difficult, I must say. Mind you, at the time, I was working in theater, in urology, full-time. I was happy there. And although I had this in me at the back of my mind, because like I'm saying, my mom was a small business owner for over 20 years. Because she said to me, you must use employment as a stepping stone, not to remain an employee forever. I mean, I'm giving you this so that you're going to use it as a stepping stone. I want you to be independent. I want you to have your own thing and so on. So that's what she always preached at home to all my siblings. When I eventually started this thing, I jumped ship from, I mean, you having a guaranteed income every month, and then now you're shifting to something that you don't even know if it's going to work, number one. Two, you don't know if you're going to get clients, you know, because obviously when clients walk in, and that's when you generate income. Just like any other business, it's risky to start a business because you don't know in which way it's going to take. 
So I just held my breath and then I said, okay, I'm going to hand over this to God. I will do my part and then he'll do the rest. Oddly enough, we opened, I think it was somewhere in September the 5th. There was not a single client on site. I think one newspaper in the area advertised the facility and that's how people came to know about us. And then the first client walked in, the second, the third. Before we knew it, we had over 40 clients walking into our facility. Then it became a success. And when we look back and I reflect on that journey, I'm like, my goodness, I can't believe we've made it so far. I knew that we would make it, but you know, when you get into or when you start this journey, you always have those mixed feelings. So you want to leave a room for everything and, you know, so that you're not caught by surprise. So you don't want to be disappointed when it fails, but at the same time, you think that it's going to work. So it was all that, you know, happening at the same time. But I mean, when I look back now, I can't believe this, that we are here. We managed to pull through. If I can just go back to what you were saying in the beginning about your mom and the conditions that she had to work through and the stress that came with being in the healthcare set compared to what you're doing now. Do you feel like yes. you've somewhat achieved that where you've created a space environment that's more conducive for people to work? I wouldn't say better, but with mm. with better resources, with better ability to be able to do the, what they need to do day to day. And with that, does that kind of motivate or inspire you to continue doing what you do day to day, just seeing that coming to fruition? Yes. You know, I've always had this at the back of my mind that I want the colleagues that work under me to feel comfortable to say whatever. And I only say to them, I try to make their lives as less complicated as possible because I do not like the corporate approach. Corporate approach can be a little bit difficult sometimes to manage. If there's too many rules that govern the corporate world, so I don't like that kind of environment because I'm from there as well. I try to make it as comfortable as possible. And obviously, I try as well to instill some kind of passion into the field because it is a very trying environment emotionally and physically because obviously we're dealing with sick people here who not only come with the physical you know, conditions, but they also have the emotional part of it that you still need to take care of as a medical profession. You know, sometimes they tell you things that are completely unrelated to what you're doing. And, you know, some they can tell you about their children, about their family issues, what they're going through at home with their spouses, with their children, which are into drugs and so on. So now we have to shift from being just a medical profession and just be a counselor for 10 or 15 minutes, you know, guiding them into the right direction. It is a very, very demanding job. And mind you, being in dialysis and in kidney failure, I always say it's one of the worst, worst things that you can wish for anybody, even your worst enemy. Because you can imagine for four hours, you are dependent on the machine three times a day. And so, um, I mean, mind you, these are people that we have lived to know what it means to live without dialysis. And now they're completely um, dialysis dependent. The most as well can be a little bit erratic and that can take a toll on you as a medical professional. And you have to adjust constantly to those kinds of people. And so I have tried to achieve that. I make sure alongside with my colleagues because I do not lead the facility alone. I lead alongside with my other business partners. You know, when we sit and talk, we always try to make sure that we make the environment as comfortable as possible because it's a very small business with very few employees 
So we try and keep them happy. We try and keep ourselves happy. Because if we are not happy, we cannot make that environment happy for not only our staff members, also for our clients as well. We've tried to make sure that we are different from the rest in so many ways. From taking care of your own staff members because they represent the business and then taking care of your own clients because they need you to be strong for them. And um, if you take care of your own clients, obviously they will take care of them. They will still come through to your facility. So you have to look after everyone. Although it can be a little bit too much, but I mean, it's something that needs to be done and it needs to happen. And we have tried our best in that area. I think I'm getting to understand more of what day-to-day is like for you, what you put into your patient care, or your very holistic approach to the people that you work with, to ensuring that they are cared for and feel like their voices are being heard and that the environment is conducive for their growth and learning as well. How would you say, you know, from coming to working within corporate through your own learnings throughout these years, what would you say still needs to be done in your line of work for people who might not have as much access to healthcare facilities that you offer? Mm -hmm. But overall, just in terms of this specific challenge with the body, kidney failure, all of that, it seems like a very sensitive thing. And I don't know how else to really ask this question, but just to say, what do you think can be done to make ease of life? Just basically making it so that people understand, hey, this might not be the best, but we'll support you in a way that it works. And what is the challenges that comes with that for many professionals like yourself? First and foremost, I would say the challenge we are having is not having enough access for dialysis. Um, And we do not have enough dialysis facilities and things like that, which are state-funded because most of the dialysis centers that are there are privately owned. And so dialysis is very expensive. And I mean, obviously, with a lot of population in South Africa earning less than minimum wage than many people cannot afford. Every year, over 10,000 people die of kidney failure every year in South Africa alone, simply because they cannot access dialysis. So I think the investment needs to go towards dialysis facilities. But of course, again, we need to focus on the primary health care because that's where the diagnosis, that's where these diseases are identified. So if then the primary health care collapses, then it means you are going to sit with a lot of bills. We are at the last stage, we in dialysis nephrology. By the time a patient gets to us, it's at the last stage. And therefore, there's nothing that can be done most of the time at that point. But when you are identified at the primary level, that is your clinic, that is your GP when you go to your doctor and don't go right, then they are able to detect these diseases, your hypertension, diabetes, HIV and AIDS, or any other disease. And then they'd be like, okay, let's start to manage your diabetes, your hypertension at this stage before it gets to a point where you have to come to us. You don't want to see us. We are there at the last stage as the last defense that's where we need that's where the change needs to happen. That's where the investment in, in terms of the health sector needs to go. Primary focus on our primary health care. Um educate people about these diseases and the dangers it poses to the communities and the world. And then bring awareness to the communities. We need a lot more. And we, we don't see much of it. We try our best, but we can only do so much for that specific community where we are based. But this kind of approach that will reach 
a larger audience and a larger communities. I mean, since I started with my TikTok videos, it's part of what I'm doing to bring about awareness. And simply because TikTok, I know there's millions and millions of people. So it doesn't only reach South Africa, it's going to go beyond the borders of South Africa. And that's what it has done. And I've seen the amount of engagement I've received thus far, just with only three videos and the interactions and the messages that I'm getting are just overwhelming. Then I realized that people are in need of this kind of information, but it's not there. That's the, what, in my view, really needs to happen. But like I said, once you are at that stage, incumbent upon you, your family and ourselves to make sure that now here you are and here we are, let's navigate this road together. It's an emotionally daunting, it's taxing emotionally to almost all of clients, I'd say 90% of them emotionally trained and mentally exhausted because it is exhausting. You have to be there for them, guide them through this journey for as long as they live and also if they get a kidney transplant, well and good, we are happy for them and celebrate those moments. But again, we understand that these are organs that are very scarce. Again, simply because there's not much education being done in South Africa, educating people about organ donation up until such a time that they find themselves, a family member find themselves in a situation where they need an organ. So that's one of the challenges that we, we face. And it's difficult in the current climate, even in South Africa, to navigate this thing. But hopefully one day we'll manage to bring everybody together and actually reach connected against this disease. I'm sure we can spend most of today talking about the medical aspects of it. Today's focus yeah. is primarily on you and just your journey, you know, as a healthcare professional within this space. And we'd love to have you back to come and talk about the other aspects of it on our podcast. Yeah. I think it would be great just to raise more awareness on the topic. As we wrap up, final comments from your side, what would you say to your fellow healthcare professionals and also just your goals or aspirations for the future, both personally and professionally? I would say to my fellow colleagues, let's soldier on, let's continue to make a difference to communities. We are a professional highly governed by ethics. So we need to subscribe to those ethics. We are also highly governed by what you call the the HPCSE standards. So we need to adhere to those. We need to adhere to the ethics that govern all of us. We need to be respectful to one another. We need to work collectively. I know there can be that push and pull approach between medical professionals. And we need to have that kind of collective wisdom for the sake of the people that come through to our facilities. And we need to um, continue to educate one another, have those awareness workshops where we educate one another and attend all of them and do what is best for humanity. We just have to search on. That's all I would say to colleagues. Your final message for yourself personally, where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? I'm busy with a few things now. Like I said, my academic career is also advancing. Um, ultimately, I would want to see myself having a PhD in nephrology. That's part of me that I've always wanted to explore as a young person, you know, in the field of research. I'm currently researching COVID-19 in dialysis patients as to what impact this disease has. It's the first study of its kind that will ever be done in South Africa. So 
there's so much interest already and you can imagine I'm under immense stress already having to pursue this road nobody has ever done before so I would want to be involved in research at some point in my career I've already started like I'm saying doing my masters and I want to advance into PhD and ultimately a full-time or a part-time researcher while alongside um, juggling a clinical work as well so that's where I want to be and I know I will do it and it's done. That's where I want to see myself in the next 10 years. So, Tabani's dedication to reshaping kidney care and his commitment to his community paints him as a leading figure in South Africa's healthcare landscape. His vision for pioneering research and unwavering patient advocacy continues to inspire and make strides in the realm of Mzanzi's healthcare sector. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to us, Tabani Gumede, Clinical Director at Care Renal Centers. Join us next time for another episode where we unravel the journeys of healthcare pioneers shaping a better tomorrow. Remember, you can also read more on Tabani's story by visiting www.healthformzanzi.co.za. From me, Numdu, our technical producer, Megan van der Vent, and the rest of the hashtag Team Food from Zanzi. Bye for now.